Hey guys, welcome to SOS Nas. I'm Christine, and guess who's back? Me, Cheeto. And boy, do we have a lot in store for you today. The Australian Day saga continues, part three. Former football superstar Ronaldo was fat shamed. And our topic of the day with our cousin: colorism and minority spotlight. So stick around. Yeah, so I'm back now. Did、Yay. you miss me? Okay, I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very well then. Anyway, so the Australian Day saga continues. Have you been hearing、uh, news about this? No, I haven't really been keeping up. So maybe you can fill me in. Oh yeah. Well, anyways, there was a slam ad that came out, and it was um um inviting people to a barbecue. You know, multiculturalism inclusive. Inclusive, inclusiveness. You know what I'm saying. Um, and yeah, and the the ad didn't mention Australia Day, but it was um, it was about having a barbecue and all that. So it kind of implied that's what you kind of do on the alleged Australia Day. And yeah, it was just kind of like a big thing for people because they're like, yeah, you see, we can have a day and celebrate our diversity, but not you know offend people. And the other thing is that a couple of people have now started calling the celebrations traditionally had on that day something else. So, for example, Triple J placed their top one hundred,、um, and so some people are calling it Triple J Top One Hundred Day instead, or just Public Holiday. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people can do all that stuff. I suppose it's a good way to kind of show some type of defiance to. Refuse to recognize it as Australia Day, but at the end of the day, I still don't think that we should be celebrating anything on the twenty sixth of January, unless it's your birthday. Then, hey, go shorty. It's <laughs> your birthday. And that's the day Triple J does say top one hundred. They can do it on a proper Australia Day. So I'm still、yeah. in favor of moving. The date. I think.、Regardless. I think it's that's the idea behind it. But I think the idea is first of all abandon the traditional. Day it's held by not really recognizing it as that day, so that people make alternative measures for to to have it on another day. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I think it's a it's a good start, but to not lose sight of what the end goal is. Nah, they're not. <laughs> but the other thing is that I'm kind of like, oh no, but is this thing happening again? Like, kind of like the Trump bubble, where like we see the progressive. Activity of things, and we're like, oh yeah, look at what everyone's doing, hurrah, hurrah, hurrah! And yet, like the other half of the population's not on board. Like, you see, if you still go to the stores, they're still like, oh, Australia Day specials, yada yada yada. So they're not really changing that per、um, se. Yeah, which is why I think、uh, we were talking in our last episode. We we're talking about staying online. You know, versus going out. I think it's important to go out and see what other people think, so that we don't have a warped view of what progress we're making in this country.、Mm. So, I mean, there are always going to be people who are opposed to moving Australia Day, but I think what's important is that we learn from what happened with the Donald Trump situation and engage people in a positive way. 
Yeah, I mean, because it also seems like there's some people who aren't particularly bothered by it or don't really get why. Yeah. Would be offensive. Yeah, which it, I'm still baffled by. <laughs> <laughs> but I think because, you know, we come from a country with a, a similar history uh, in the sense that we are, well, Zimbabwe is a former British colony. So I think it's easier for us to empathize with the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Strait Islanders as to what happened in history. So I don't know. Hopefully we'll get to that point where everyone can feel empathetic. Yeah. I mean, having said that, I don't, I don't know about school systems here, but I know our school systems didn't do the greatest job educating us on the history of Of some of our school systems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, well, when I'm thinking about high school, it's because we're mainly following the British curriculum. So Yeah, but I mean, I guess that's happening all around the world that there's this push, like, in the US, people complain about how they don't get enough black history. Like, there's this push to globalize and learn global history as opposed to learning, like, your history of your country. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't... Mm, I, I think America is different. They have a lot of US history. Mm-hmm. It's just not about black history, ah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, if anything, I would say that America probably needs more global history, like in high school and <laughs> okay. geography. Yeah. Um, okay. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So what's been happening with you? Yeah. So Michael Owen, who used to play for Liverpool, a British uh, football player, is in trouble with the internet because he made a comment about Ronaldo. Yeah. Mm, not the Cristiano Ronaldo. Because some of us were confused. <laughs> the Brazilian uh, Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo number nine, who also played for Real Madrid. And um, basically what Michael Owen said was uh, on his Twitter account, he said, I thought I was putting the pounds on until I saw my old mate Ronnie. So people are quite, um, well, some people are quite upset that he was fat shaming Ronaldo. Mm, yeah. That is fat shaming. Yeah, but on the other hand, Mm -hmm. because I was reading the comments on uh, this article on Yahoo, some people were saying, look, Michael Owen didn't do anything wrong. All he did was make an observation. So So what do you think? Do you think that Michael Owen was wrong for saying that Ronaldo was fat? And also, I might add in here that Ronaldo reportedly has a thyroid problem which we know can lead to weight gain um. but who knows if michael owen knew that but anyway so do you think that it was bad for michael owen to say anything to him? well i don't know the relationship between michael owen and ronaldo like if that's how they usually talk to each other and has anyone heard from ronaldo whether he was offended yeah he was offended okay <laughs> he said okay, quote i go. am shocked as to how much importance my weight garners in the world we live in i don't know why it is so important to be honest uh end quote mm. yeah and roberto carlos who's also a brazilian um you know former football player he came to ronaldo's defense as well mm-hmm. um yeah basically saying that you know what it's all about you know ronaldo's a great guy it's all about what's in his heart it's not about his body stop you know talking about his body i know i guess you know maybe being a bit older and you know i know he is older right michael owen yeah and you know twitter being new and like <laughs> <laughs> i don't <laughs> not being sure how much things on the internet can be escalated like 
I don't think, okay, here's my opinion. I don't think yeah. Michael Owen was meaning it to be like, to be so mean. Yeah, but it's 2017. It's 2017, yeah. But what I'm saying is that he put it out on Twitter. Had he had, like, an exchange with Ronaldo in person and be like, oh, what's up, buddy? Or whatever they say to Mm -hmm. each other. Hey, look at you. You're fat. I'm fat. (laughs) Ha ha. You know, then maybe it would have been a different situation. But I think because he put it out so publicly, then he just opened up this whole can of worms. Yeah, it's because it's the internet. You have to have internet literacy, especially as a celebrity. Right. Yeah. But you know, I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Do you think it's okay in general to tell people they're fat? No. At all? Well, depends how you do it. Mm-hmm. And who they are. Right. I, I wouldn't tell someone they're fat like that. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would say, if any of my friends are listening, do not tell me I'm fat. Because okay. he's <laughs> making this personal. <laughs> no, because I just want to like let people understand. Because I feel like sometimes people have attempted to say something, but it's like if someone is putting on a lot of weight, they know because they have to buy new clothes, you know. Yeah. So someone, some people don't notice. So I mean, they don't notice, but they don't acknowledge what's. Uh, I beg to say that they might be in denial. Yeah, about denial. what's yeah. happening, but I don't think. Personally, I don't think that it's motivating because it can be triggering for some people. Mm-hmm. It can trigger all kinds of things, eating disorders, depression. So just be careful if you're planning on telling someone that they've Why been Why are weight. you looking at me like that? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm okay. just saying. I wrote about yeah. it as well. I yes, you did read it, but I read it. Yeah, the comments yeah. were quite interesting. Yeah. You said your mom or your sisters. That's it. Yeah. No one else. Maybe significant other. Yeah. Because they would have to look at my body on a regular basis. Yes. Okay. That's enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, that's what's up. And we'll be back with our topic of the day, colorism. Stay tuned. Hey guys, how's it going? Well, right now we have our topic of the day and joining us in the studio today is our cousin Tina. Hello. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling, Tina? I'm feeling okay, I think. Good. Yeah, after a couple of drinky drinks. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's why everyone's in a good mood. Okay, except for me, of course. Um, <laughs> oh. The drinks should facilitate the conversation. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so what are we talking about today, Chiro? We're talking about colorism, and I looked up a definition of this on Wiki, and it says that it's discrimination based on skin color. So it's known as colorism or shadism, and it's a form of prejudice or discrimination in which people are treated differently based on social meanings attached to skin color. So just to flag, it's different to racism because it can occur in various races. Yeah, and it's uh, the definition I saw online, it usually occurs within the same ethnic or racial groups. So black people might have preferential treatment of light-skinned black people within that ethnic group. Yeah. So guys, do you think colorism is a real thing? Or is it just something that is made up? definitely real it is real okay um why do you say that i think we i don't know i think i feel like we see it a lot you know we've seen people experience colorism Mm -hmm. um and we know people that have experienced it i know i do how Um, have you experienced it i wouldn't say i've experienced it personally but i've seen other people experiencing it like i've seen other people not being given a chance or other people being told that they're scary 
Because really? they're dark skinned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, in high school, I remember, like, towards the end, like, in my senior years, there was this whole thing going about red bones and yellow bones and <laughs> how boys preferred yellow bones, meaning lighter skinned girls, and then red bone was just kind of like other the dark. Rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So people be like, yeah, I'm a yellow bone. I, oh, you red bones. And it was, it was creating a little bit of tension, actually. Yeah. I've also seen it in my personal experience, notably when people's emoji choices, they, Ooh, yes. yes. <laughs> it's, yeah. People, this is what I've noticed. I've had to call out a couple friends who, are darker in skin tone, but they will use like the second lightest emoji. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're not that light. Why are you using that emoji? <laughs> it's weird. Wait, but I don't know the emoji. They might have just picked that one. Like, is it like a, yeah, there's a spectrum? Oh, yeah. like, you know, one which you think applies to you. Oh, yeah, to your shade. So oh, okay. I've noticed that black people in general like to pick lighter shades than they really are in real life. Or at least how I see them. Yeah. IRL. Sometimes that doesn't work well with foundations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pick the shade that matches people. (laughs) Yeah. Then I also remember in high school, um, one girl came to school and she had scratches on her arm. Yeah. People were like, you know, so what happened? Why do you have scratches on your arm? And she said, oh, I was taking a bath and I decided to use the stone, the pumice stone. Um, We're like, why would you do that? And she said, because I want to be lighter. Oh, no. Wow. It's very heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Very heartbreaking. But, I mean, I guess, like, growing up in our country, and I know a couple of Indian girls have brought this up, like, how big the market for things like bleaching cream yes. and, like, well, well, it's not bleach. It's not advertised as bleaching cream, but it's, like, lightening. lightening. Skin lightening <laughs> cream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty big market. Yeah. According yeah. to a 2009 global industry analyst report, it's actually uh, projected to be a $20 billion industry mm. uh, for skin lightening. Yeah. And we've seen all kinds of celebrities like Lil' Kim. Yeah. Absolutely. Who's now basically looking like Kim Kardashian mm. and Vibes Cartel, who yeah. looks sick now. Because <laughs> <laughs> the yellow is just very unnatural. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> looking. But yeah, the beauty industry is definitely trying to capitalize on it. Yeah, and wait, didn't we also, well, I don't know, I just had me, but like, you know, the whole, oh, I don't want to spend too much in the sun, too much time in the sun because yeah. I'm going to end up getting darker. Like, yeah, yeah, actively avoid the sun. Yeah. Tina, look. did you do that? Are you a culprit? I don't think I did do that, to be honest, because I always felt like I was like a dark skinned person. So yeah. I had nothing to lose. Like, um. I could just sun myself all I wanted, <laughs> because it's not like I could make it any worse. All right. So, to either one of you, like, know how we got to this point? Colorism, like, where did it come from? Well, you'd have to think logically it has something to do with colonization and the standards of beauty that were projected onto us. Mm-hmm. Um and, and still are projected. Yeah. 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 Still are largely, even though, like, now, you know, we have our Black Pride and black girl magic. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But those things are so ingrained in us that it's going to take a long time for us to get rid of it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like, I look at it as, like, and a lot of people talk about rep- how representation matters. That was a big hashtag going on. And, like, yeah. I mean, growing up, like, I only ever played with, like, a white Barbie. So mm-hmm. that's what I knew to be beautiful and nice. And, like, it's only till recently that I've started seeing all these black dolls cropping up. And I'm like, whoa, I wish I'd had that when I was little. Like, you know, to get those standards of beauty, the beauty can be any shade, can yeah. look any way. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you know, even things like in film, mm-hmm. we see a lot of light-skinned actresses leading getting ladies. the yeah, yeah getting mm-hmm. the leading roles for mm-hmm. you know for the few movies where you do see people of color in leading roles. And I don't know if you guys uh, came across this uh, in your reading, but for the casting call for the movie Straight Out of Compton, um, <laughs> they got some pushback. For the casting call that they, uh, put oh, out. Yeah. Uh, cause yeah. they ranked girls. So they were mm-hmm. looking for female actresses and they basically said, A girls, these are the mm-hmm. hottest of the hottest models, must have real hair, no extensions, very classy looking, great bodies. You can be black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, or mixed race. Two B girls, these are fine girls, long natural hair, really nice bodies, small waists, nice hips. You should be light skinned. Beyonce is the prototype here. C girls, these are African American girls, medium to light skinned with a weave. D girls, these are African American girls, poor, not in good shape, medium to dark skin tone. So, how does that make you feel when it's like put in those categories? Well, at least someone came out and said it. Like, no, they said it. So now we know we weren't making it up in our heads because I think for some people, again, like it's not racism, but like it's that is this actually happening or is it? Not happening, but now we have evidence this is a happening. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And like these sound like, you know, standards of beauty that are like decided by society in general, but you feel like men as well, like mm. men deciding what a beautiful woman is and what an attractive woman is. Yeah. So yeah, you can understand why people go to the lens of wanting to like bleach themselves and stuff. Mm. Yeah. Because there's a lot to lose. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to make it an entertainment industry. Where mm. you are, as a woman, predominantly judged by the by way you look. look. Yeah. But I think the casting call was just, you know, showing what the world really looks like and how it does value people. It's mm-hmm. wrong, but, mm-hmm. you know, they just put it out there. I was also mad that they put Beyonce as a B-girl. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> And what you need is Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce a B girl. <laughs> Did they have like a prototype for the A type group? They no, had? they didn't have a okay. prototype. I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> Very odd. But you know, Tina, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, this colorism being pushed by men. And I was wondering if colorism is a gendered issue in the sense that does it affect women more than men? I think it really does because it, it's funny when you think of like an attractive or typically attractive black person, a black guy. Tall, dark, and handsome, mm. you know. Idris Elba. There you yeah. go. Like, that kind of yeah. look is celebrated. Yeah, the Idrises um, and other dark-skinned men. But there's never been, like, any dark-skinned women that we swoon over. True. Although I will say that in some of the research that I was reading, they were saying that uh, darker-skinned men are more harshly judged in the criminal justice system. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they do get it, but from, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's probably worse for women. Yeah. I don't know. Chiro, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I don't know because I'm not a guy and I've never really spoken to a dark-skinned guy about this. Our cousin, our other cousin was like, hey, how come you're not talking about men as well? I was like, oh, no. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can, you can comment and put in your input. Come on the show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or email us. Sassy, you know, this always at gmail.com. Um, no, but like, yeah, I really wouldn't know about men, but from the video you linked us, there was a darker skinned black guy who was talking about how most villains in movies are portrayed as dark skinned black men. So I guess, yeah, in that sense, it's, it's probably equal between the, the genders, but in terms of the industries 
that push to make changes. So like the skin lightening creams, I feel like those are primarily marketed to women because you always see a woman who's got fair skin and um I don't know. What, when I was when I was in China I definitely yeah. saw ads for men. And for in lightning cream. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. They in in, in India cream. that's where yeah. I really saw a big difference with the color divide. Mm-hmm. The place where I was working, the people who were in charge, a lot of them were the lighter skinned Indians. Really? Yeah. Yeah, um, no, my friends, mm-hmm. like my Indian friends have mentioned that, like between, I think it's the different areas, like lighter skinned, if you're darker skinned, like lighter skinned tend to have more favor than the darker mm-hmm. skinned people. Yeah. So let's mm-hmm. actually keep on with that thread. You know, so this discussion about colorism, so what? What are the real life implications of colorism aside from someone saying, oh, you're pretty or... You're pretty for a dark skinned skin girl. Person. Yeah. <laughs> what are the real life implications well, I've seen people running away from dark-skinned people. Really? Running? Yeah, like, when I say running away, <laughs> in a train, like, getting up from their seat and going to sit far away from them because they feel, I don't know, threatened or they think mm. they're scary. So you can imagine for that person, you know, that doesn't make them feel good. That no. doesn't make them feel loved. And you would think that would have an impact on their self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was watching, like, a short video, um, Snoop Dogg's daughter, Corey B, she was speaking out on colorism because she's darker toned and that she's been bullied because of it online. So I'm guessing like, it's a lot of psychological damage that, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like right now she's, like she said in the video, I don't know when it was made, but two to three months ago from when she made the video is when she actually finally started to accept her dark skin. And like, this is like someone in their adult life. And yeah, imagine carrying that burden, like from a very young age. Yeah. And some other interesting implications that I came across, a research paper by Weaver and Horschild, uh, The Skin Color Paradox and the American Racial Order, they found that uh, dark-skinned Black Americans are disadvantaged when it comes to socioeconomic status. Like I said before, the criminal justice system looks at dark-skinned people um, with less empathy, and they're also less likely to hold elective office and enjoy other social capital or prestige. So, I don't know. What to do? How do we fix it? Well, I guess, like, representation, like, mm, that's that matters, what, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but, like, you see, like, people like Lupita <coughs> or, like, makeup brads like, like Lancome and I think is Revlon on board as well, like making shades for darker skinned people as well. I think that's yeah, the foundation struggle. Like making people feel like they're part of society and that they're beautiful too. Yes. And I think also doing what we're doing now, talking about it, because I think it's important to raise awareness and to uncover our unconscious bias. Unconscious bias. That's a big thing. And maybe getting like other, you know, celebrities and people like being the voices behind dark colored people like mm. giving them a chance i don't know if you guys saw um when kanye west was doing like his video um his um it was his fashion show and he yeah. had the casting call out and it was just for mixed race people like he just wanted mixed race models oh really yeah and they didn't want like any black people and then he came out and he said no no it was just the aesthetic that i was going for but like stuff like that has an impact you know, mm. on what people see as beautiful because, like, that's what a model looks like. Like, all the models look like exotic beings and there were no, like, dark-skinned people. So, yeah, we need to see more of us out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, listeners, let us know what you think about colorism if you've yeah. experienced it. Particularly in different ethnic groups because, like, yeah. we can only really have experience in 
kind of one. The black community. Yeah, but- and by the way, we're not bashing light-skinned people. Okay. You're fine. <laughs> we just want everyone to be beautiful. <laughs> okay, yeah. So send in your comments, questions, opinions to sassynozsos at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, Tina. It's time for Minority Spotlight, and today we're sending out good vibes to Laura Vinfokol, also known as Lady Scully. Lady Scully is a gutsy South African artist who creates artwork that tackles taboo subjects such as gender, relationships, sex, and sexuality. She's certainly the type of artist who pushes boundaries, be it through her visual artworks or sex talk podcast. So I might even say that she's too controversial, but we love her here because her work sparks conversation that, in our opinion, needs to be happening, especially conversations around women's sexual rights and misogyny, because, you know, the struggle is still real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's also kind of a big deal, not just to us. She's been featured on CNN and exhibits her work all over South Africa and internationally as well. Safe to say, she's killing the game at a very young age of 29 years old. Mm-hmm, she sure is. So big up to Lady Scully. Check out some of her work on her Instagram to see what we're talking about. She can be found at Lady Scully. Scully spelled S-K-O-L-L-I-E. And that's a wrap for today's show. Please hit the subscribe button in iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. As always, you can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Just search for SOS in Oz. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye! bye.